We have a first-time F1 driver outshining his teammate, none other than Nicholas Latifi. Once again, Max proves he's a step ahead of everyone else as he sails to the finish line through the sea of Tafosi. It's lights out, and away we go with episode 78 of the Eaton Asphalt Podcast. We have finished with the Temple of Speed, or so we call it the Temple of Speed. It wasn't too speedy, I feel like, for the for the, the your favorite parts of a race. But um, I think overall it was a fun weekend. It was the last weekend for a couple of weeks until we're racing. So, uh, Ian, any initial thoughts? Yeah, I mean, overall, I would say <clears throat> like it it didn't like disappoint. I would say it was greatly hampered by that late safety car that kind of made it like finishing under a safety car is a bummer. And you know what I saw? Obviously, anytime you bring in like talk of a safety car or having a safety car affect rules at the end of the race, like everybody talks about Abu Dhabi last year, right? Where Lewis Hamilton got the title stripped from him, according to who you ask. But somebody tweeted, and I thought I'd share this with you. They were like, all right, so this is how you guys wanted it to end. There's like... (laughs) doesn't doesn't this suck yeah (laughs) like the feeling you have now can you imagine ending a season like this so i thought yeah maybe like it it didn't end in the perfect way for the lewis hamilton fans but at least it didn't end that way the way we saw because like again fun weekend the end just sucked yeah i mean it's just like it depends on what side of the bridge you're on whether you think it's a good day or not you know i mean if it was like the roles were or like lewis is put in this spot in the max spot right now um and they actually go through it. They're like, oh my gosh, this is how you're supposed to do it. You know, you got to let exactly. every car go through. And they're like, hey, we gave exactly. him the win. But, you know, if Lewis is in that Charles spot right now, they're going to be like, those son of a bitch. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. just there was uh, whatever benefits your team, your driver is the, the route they're going to go with. Because, yeah, I mean, like the, the whirlwind of people really hating that move last year to people completely hating this move this year. Um, and they're just two completely opposite opinions. It's what makes the sport so fun and so fun to interact with social media people on is that like you can have a radically different take. You can have the shortest possible memory um, when it comes to the rules and like the implications of the rules. So, yeah, I love it. I mean, it it starts absolute shit storms on Twitter, but that's, you know, it's just part of the F1 experience for me, I think. I'm sure there are so many Formula One Twitter accounts where if I could scroll back to December of 2021 and find some tweets about how this is the most ridiculous thing that they ever did and then compare it to like i guarantee you there are going to be dozens of dozens of people that you go side by side it's like freezing cold takes i've been like oh you just said that this was the worst move you could ever do and michael massey needs to be burned at the stake but now <laughs> you're saying that they should have done a standing restart I'm like yeah, make up your mind yeah uh what a mess but anyway let's get into the episode let's talk all about it we got some good bad and uglies we'll run through we'll talk about our race haikus Our new sector that we hope doesn't stick around too long, uh, what did Ferrari do this week? With a little bit of our race recap, and then we'll talk about our race predictions. So, Marco, why don't you start us off with our good, bad, and ugly. All right, my good is going to be McLaren. Who thought thought that they made someone's good this point in the season? But I think they surpassed everyone's expectation at Monza. Uh, they looked very strong at quals, um, and they looked pretty good throughout the week. It's very, very unfortunate that Danny went out 
Um, but I mean, they definitely seemed by far that they were the fourth best team. Alpine had a ton of high expectations with their straight line speed, but really looked bad. Um, so I don't know. This is a question for you. Is the fight for fourth back on? Um, no, it is not. <laughs> but we're happy to we're happy to have these little victories here. A little and there. closer. Yeah, I don't think. I mean, like the it's just too, such a big gap at this point that like it's not worth getting my hopes up for it. It's you know what is it still? We still got two, 18 points 18 to points, get to them, dude. Dude, eighteen points is a lot. Alpine scores every weekend, and we most certainly do not. So we can't. We can't get there. Yeah, but it's, it's hey, yeah. We're, we're we're having fun. These late Mons is always a fun time for McLaren, even when everything's burning in front of you. Oh, uh, dude! I mean, just seeing Danny make it up to Q three, just getting some last year Monza like feels back. It was very very exciting. I was I was having a great time rooting for McLaren. Yeah, dude. And uh, Danny Ricardo driving in Q three makes for a happy year. I'll tell you that. Yeah, exactly. Even though if he can't finish the race on Sunday. No, I mean, that's, that's neither here nor there. Yeah, exactly. All right, my bad is, as the legend Michael Mossy has said himself, not letting a motorsport go motorsport racing. This might have been the slowest finish Monza has ever seen in its history. Uh, we might as well call it the Temple of P, just dribbling to the finish line. Um, there was, there, I, like, and we're, I want to talk about this. Um, I think there were so many opportunities for racing control, FIA, to see hey, this is going to be a bit minute. Like, I think the difference with Abu Dhabi was, I feel like the uh, the number of laps remaining were, um, there was not as many laps remaining. So they had, I think this started with like 10 laps, eight laps remaining in this race. I think they could have seen and everyone saw with with just about eight laps remaining that, hey, this is looking like we're going to finish on a yellow unless they do a, like, pull out a, a red flag, bring everyone in and do a standing stop. And... I don't know if, if they want to do what is best for the fans, get the fan engagement going on. I think that they have to kind of be able to pull trump cards in this situation. I think rules might have to be moved a little bit where it's like, hey, red flags can come out for alternative circumstances. These circumstances where whatever it does, where it's not egregious to not end a race the way we did. I think they have to make those kind of judgment calls. And I think they just had plenty of time to do so. But they, I'm sure that there's just scars from last year, people f- flipping out, you know, the, the lawsuits and everything like that. They were like, you know, we're going to follow by the rules, we're going to do it, and we're not, like, we're, we're going to make someone else change the rules before we actually pull a trump card. Yeah, I understand the, so the, the arguments that I saw about this were, one, it's like, no, there's, it didn't make sense to have a red flag. There wasn't debris that they had to clear off. It right. was just a car, but the stewards couldn't move the car because the car was stuck in gear. And so, like, you can't move – they couldn't move the car. So then they had to, like, get, you know, the big crane or whatever. So it's like it wasn't a typical red flag. And I agree that from a fan standpoint, it's more entertaining to not finish the race under, like, a boring-ass parade, basically, of a safety car. But, like, I just – my the worst part of my brain goes to, like, how easily can that be exploited? Let's say for if, if, every, if every potential yellow flag or every potential safety car – after five laps, like, to go is automatically a red flag. Dude, it would be so easy to just have, like, hey, Yuki, Pierre is getting chased down 
<laughs> fucking smash into that wall like your contract depends on it and then like you know what i mean like i don't know i just i maybe it says something about me but like i immediately went to oh okay well how can you cheat that system you know okay. what i mean okay but what you just described sounds fucking awesome so i don't understand <laughs> what is wrong with what you just said that sounds incredible you have drivers <laughs> running like crashing on purpose to make a final end of a race absolutely electric that is that is what i want this is what i want in the sport i don't have a response to that i think you're right that would be that would be a bit like it's already chess not checkers this is like 3d super mega chess if they're like all right lap 49 pierre we want you to hit the wall at turn five like make sure you lose it in the gravel something like that yeah uh plan c as in like plane crash plan c (laughs) plan c plan c he's like aye aye capitan (laughs) Jesus. Uh, where are we? Oh, yeah, you're bad. <laughs> that was my bad. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I think I just, I, hopefully I just changed your mind about, like, taking this the worst possible way because I think that is the best possible way. I think you did. I think you did. Good job. All right. Uh, my ugly is going to be kidnapping because that is exactly what Toto had to do to Albon in order to get Nick DeVries to race. I want photo evidence of Albon and the scar of his appendicitis. Um, even with that picture, I could very much see Toto going the extra mile and being like, uh, sorry, Alex, we're going to have to put a little scar right there, you know? And we're like, we're going to make this believable as possible and make him get a fake appendicitis to do this. And you might say, like, why wouldn't Toto do it to Latifi? Alex is a great driver. But I think this is even more obvious because you're battling Albon's already get the seat. You're battling for a second seat. You want him in a second seat. Why risk putting him up to a pretty decent driver like Alex Albon? Why not put him against the bottom of the barrel? Everyone sees him as a stud because he's comparing against the worst driver on the grid. And you're fighting for that second spot. So I think this panned out to be like almost a written up. And the week before, DeVries has gotten like the most airtime a reserve driver has ever gotten in the history of Formula 1. So it just yes. it seems way too convenient that that happened. Then Albon last minute gets appendicitis. I did just read that uh, he's had some respiratory problems after the surgery and had to go to the hospital. I don't know if this is Toto. Maybe he's like smelling. He heard me talking about this and he's like, "Hey, we're gonna have to really like, we're gonna have to milk this, and you're gonna have to Covering go to the hospital." His tracks. Yeah, yeah, Covering and so exactly. So I'm onto this. My tinfoil hats on that this was definitely an inside job to get him. And honestly, like tip the old cat to Toto because. Uh, put his money where his mouth is. Nick DeVries had a hell of a race. Yeah, I mean, you remember when... Uh, wh- why, what was the reason? I think... Was it COVID? That, yeah, Lewis caught COVID. And mm-hmm. That's why George got in there. Yeah, I mean, Lewis catching COVID and George just having to accidentally get in that Mercedes spot just to kind of like, you know, get the seat a little warm for yeah. him. It's the same exact thing going on here. Toto, Wolf pulls puppet strings like more on this sport than anybody does in any other sport and i'm include yeah like get roger goodell is an absolute amateur compared to toto wolf yeah. at being the shadow commissioner of this league from everything that we were seeing devries was always kind of the tier two tier three guy of hey potentially making f1 but like there's just guys in front of him that we're looking at that like are higher in the bridge i think this vaulted him back up to like top three guys available Lovely. All right. My good, bad, and ugly. My good, starting on a positive note, 
old guys. So Fernando Alonso passed Kimi Raikkonen for the most Grand Prix started, and they gave him a car that was so slow that Fernando asked the pit wall if there was something wrong with it. And they were like, nope. He's like, the car's all good. And he was like, oh, wow. <laughs> that was his exact response. <laughs> Super awkward. But anyways, thank you to Alpine for giving uh, Alpine for giving Fernando a wonderful present and of a DNF. And speaking of my bad, I'm sticking with Alpine. So your good was McLaren, my bad is Alpine. Alpine, first time that they haven't scored points since April, which is pretty wild. So the last time that they did was was Emilio Romagna Grand Prix, also in Italy. So yeah. they have a vengeance Ooh. against Italy. Kind of something weird. Well, going I mean, it's on the French, there. you know. I don't know. Who doesn't like? Who doesn't have beef with the French? You know. That's true. Uh, maybe they go. You know, they go to Italy, eat the pizza, the pasta. And they just get too full and mm -hmm. end up not thinking straight. Yep. There's a, there it is. Found it. We found <laughs> it. Uh, my ugly, I was going to go Alex Albon for the appendicitis, but now that you've uncovered that that's all a big sham, I'm going to go Nick Latifi because uh, Nick DeVries is now ahead of Nick Latifi in the championship. So Latifi is currently 21st in a 20 driver championship. Um, which is horrendously embarrassing. That's like, it's like the person who got last place is one place ahead of you. It's how that yeah, basically, right. <laughs> how that works. So tough scene from Latifi and his 17 Canadian fans. Um, but yeah, we're, you know, I think we're very much on to the Nick DeVries, Alex Albon show at Williams. I sure hope so. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I don't see how he, he can sneak in another year in a Formula One car. I mean, I know money talks in this sport, but if he does, then money absolutely screams because it's, it's just <laughs> right. ridiculous at this point that he still has a seat in that, yeah. like on that team. I, I, God, I wish they like just as like you know we see the statistics at the end of the season of like you know ex driver like Sebastian Vettel Pat made this many overtakes, this was his fastest lap, you know all that stuff. I want to see a more detailed breakdown of like okay Nick Latifi crashed this many times, like cut this many people off, and his dad donated X amount of money. Money. I think yeah. I'd give my I would give I would shave my eyebrow to see the amount of money that was given and I would obviously need a chunk of it if my eyebrow's gone god damn it I was gonna say I could definitely do some research to figure this out <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, all right and that's my good bad and ugly let's go on to haikus yeah. All right, you started with our good, bad, ugly. I'll start with our race haikus. My haiku for this race in the Italian Grand Prix is unfortunate end. Safety is overrated. Let the boys race, bitch. Nice. Thanks. Were you counting? Looks like you were counting. Looks I like was trying was, to count. Like you made, made me threw the red flag a little bit. No, I, wasn't, I, wasn't, I was just really trying to count. <laughs> not good at that. All right, mine is the Temple of Speed. Filled with tears of Tafosi. Nick versus Nick. Nick wins. Nice. I like that. Good job. You win that one. We'll put it up on social media like we said. We I already won. <laughs> we posted, but I win. <laughs> Without any votes, Matthew wins. Uh, let's get into our Marco-sponsored sector of what did Ferrari do this week? Honestly, not a bad week for Ferrari. But I think, you know, you got to critique a little bit. This is a new sector. We're going to find some things. I would say starting on Saturday, one of the small things was Qualls, uh, about seven minutes left. Carlos already having a back-of-the-grid penalty. They put Charles in front of him rather than the opposite way around. 
to get a toe to get a toe from Carlos. Um, I think that was just kind of like, hey, what are you doing? Like, why are you not helping out Charles, who really wants to get pull and needs to get pull? Give him a toe. Why would you put it the other way around? Ended up not really mattering with Charles getting pull. The other thing that um, you we had mentioned that I kind of disagree with that um, they were just saying, you know, Ferrari made the right move in the strategy of pitting Charles in the virtual safety a car in like lap 13 or was it? Um, they said that they had to do something different than Rev- Red Bull, but that is where I'm a little confused. Charles was in the lead. Why would they say that Ferrari has to make the move? Why does Ferrari have to make like change it up? One, without by doing so, they were hoping that these medium tires could last around 40 laps, which was way too much of a stretch. Ended up being correct that like those tires are not allowed to go 40 laps. Um, but they're like, oh, if he stayed out, Max would have gone in. You put Red Bull in the same situation. All right, are you willing to have Max hopefully go 40 laps on medium tires, or are you going to have to pit again? So I think just the timing of the virtual safety car. I think the unfortunate part, which out of their control, is that the safety car ended as like as Charles was basically in the pits. Yeah. Out of your control, maybe you know you can kind of assume, hey, we don't know when this is going to end. Keep him out there, and then like play it that way. We know this is a safe play where you know he's out there. He's in first. He's going to still be in first. Make Red Bull make the decision of what they, what they needed to do. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was way too early in the race for them to assume that they could make the entire race on those tires, or they had to do kind of an end of the race. I know it's kind of kerfuffled at the end, anyways. But uh, making him pit again, put on some uh, some new tires. So I just I disagreed with people giving him too much credit that that was actually a good strategy. Yeah, no, I it makes sense. I saw people saying that like, look, you have to. You have to anticipate your opponent's strategy, and Red Bull always has a mega aggressive strategy. So they're like, okay, so they they're aggressive. Now we have to be more aggressive, and it's like, okay, I'm more aggressive than an already aggressive. You know, there's yeah, too much aggression just, sometimes. Just fucking race, dude. Yeah, just yeah. race your race. Stop paying attention. It just felt like they were like looking over their shoulder, trying to see what Red Bull would do, and then eventually like tried to be Red Bull, and it didn't work out. So. Yeah, I, I don't think, let's be honest, it's the best race they've had in, like, oh, yeah. I, mean, I don't know, four or five races from a standpoint of, like, not having a horrible, glaring fuck-up that you're like, yeah, this is where you lost it. Yeah. But at the same time, like, still still a little tough showing from them, I think. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, if, if, if I notice that as it's happening, then typically that's not something that, like, is a good thing. If I'm the one right. that'd be like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. like, what's, you guys, <laughs> like, 40 laps on mediums? <laughs> I don't think so. Um, so, yeah, I mean... Not terrible, but, um, you know, I, I, I think the outcome's a little different. If, and they're like, oh, uh, Max was showing much better performance. But, um, I mean, Charles was shooting off fastest laps after fastest lap for, like, the second half of the race when, when Max was already up, you know, 26 seconds, 19 seconds because he had a pit again. So, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't think the, the Red Bull performance was that much greater where they're like, man, if he didn't pit, Max was going to eventually pass him. I, I just did, did not agree with that. Yeah. Thank you for filling us in, Marco. We look forward to next race where you tell us what Ferrari did wrong then. Yay. All right, um, some things noting 
A lot of deleted times during quals. A few guys did not make it from Q1 to Q2 and then Q2 to Q3 because of some deleted times. I know KMAG did not make it into Q2 because they deleted, I think, two of his times. DeVries had one of his times deleted, still made it into Q2. But um, yeah, it seemed like this was more than usual. I feel like there's always these race, these tracks that they're very nitpicky or there are certain parts of the track that they're going to be like, hey, you're going to go over and we're going to, like, we are on your ass on whether uh, these this is going to uh, work or not. Um, so that was kind of a, a theme that I saw throughout the quals. DeVries, obviously, uh, the talk of the weekend, uh, making it into Q2 his first time. As cool, of a, as cool of a moment as this was, seeing Seb out in Q1 was just a sad. Um, like, I know he's trying. It just doesn't seem like he just really is. Uh, I know when they told him he was out, he was like, oh, no. But, I mean, I don't think he was that close. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, he, yeah he's on full on retirement mode so yeah you'd like to see him just kind of go out with a little bit of blaze of glory um rather than the tail tail tucked between his legs but uh it is what it is uh other things in quals both mclaren's making the q3 which is probably the first time in quite quite a little bit that we saw there um and then i think ferrari did look faster all of quals up basically into the last lap where max split the two but it did was nice to see that that red bull just wasn't just you know wiping the floor with ferrari um that we've seen the last couple of weeks so uh, it did look like they ferrari did kind of have their groove back a little bit i don't know if this is gonna continue as it doesn't seem like um red bull is slowing down anytime soon and obviously the sunday results uh really show that so that was uh, i would say pretty much uh all of calls right there oh also um one note to add on a lot of this really didn't matter for a lot of these drivers because uh, about, like I said, giving the Monza preview, if you are a decent team or if you need to take an engine upgrade, engine penalty, that's the race. Uh, about half the grid took an engine penalty. So uh, it was just one of those where we're updating the what happened in the race uh, from from quals to the race Sunday. It's like, oh, uh, P2 to P7, uh, P3 to P18. And it was just down the list of updating what actually happened and half the guys just did not start where they ended in quals. So uh, a lot of movement from Saturday evening to Sunday morning. Yeah, it was crazy. Trying to figure out, that was going to be my bad, was just like calculations and being like, all right, so this guy took an engine penalty, but that's only five spots. This guy's just automatically to the back of the grid no matter how many. Uh, it was like, I think, who was it? It was somebody on Haas. It was one of the guys on Haas that took a 15 grid penalty from 17th place. So technically, he was starting like thirty second place, but but it was it was before the guys who had to go all the way to the back. Yeah, I still don't know. Like once it gets, it's like once it's above twenty five grace penalty, it's where it's like automatically back the grid or something. No matter how, yeah, it the rules are a little funky. Yeah, I liked it though because there was like a significant amount of time where. Like, just the Twitter was ablaze being like, okay, what does this mean? Like, where are we starting? What? Like, it got to the point where when I, when I thought I for sure, like, lost it was, okay, was like Danny Ricardo starting on the second row. And I'm like, nah, nah something's <laughs> fucked up. Like, we, we okay, count it again. Can we redo it? <laughs> it's like, uh, where's the troll account, those fuckers? Exactly. 
Yeah, I think it was like set. It's like it was like for us, it was like Saturday night. Like Martin Brundle was, or I think it was Brundle, but like tweet, tweeted something. It was like, "Here's the official lineup." Sorry for all the like. It was kind of ridiculous for how long this took them to figure out the starting grid, but here it is. <laughs> so that was like five hours. It was like a full day after uh, after calls ended. Which, which you know, like, yeah, you put most people in a, in a race control room. Like, hey, give us a whiteboard and give a team of, like, two to three people, and this should probably be figured out in under 15 minutes, right? right? yeah. Like, like, that shouldn't be that hard. I feel like the FIA has to have, like, the best procrastination reasons being like, all right, we think this is the grid, but first, before we announce it, let's play some Xbox <laughs> or <laughs> something, something to like totally delay him. Like, and there's like, Oh fuck dude, it's been six hours. Should we say, oh, should, should, like, should, should we let the people know? She's like, yeah, but first let's go for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> like it continues to just, yeah, I don't know. All right. Any last closing thoughts here before we get to the top five teams in the constructors championship? Nope. Championship. Uh, let's start with my boys and papaya. Coming into the weekend with 101 points, leaving with 107, so a six-point haul, thanks to Lando Norris, uh, McLaren. So Danny Rick qualified P8, like Marco mentioned earlier. He was in Q3 for the first time since before Marco had hair on his face. Um, Started P4 and ended up with a DNF. So that was, I think it was not his fault. He didn't crash or anything. There was just an engine problem. Uh, car just, he said, just completely shut off while it was in gear. So um, that was that. No points for Danny. Lando called P7, got all the way up to starting P3 because of the penalties, and then ended up P7 too. So, uh, yeah, I think overall, like you said, I'm happy. Danny didn't come home with any points, which was a little bit of a bummer, but at the same time, I feel like McLaren showed like in a weekend where top speed is not their strength, they can still hang with the big boys. So, yeah. Uh, I was a little bit surprised to see. Okay, so Danny Rick, this is his second DNF of the season. Guess which week uh, was the first? We three, two, close. Oh. It was two. So he's uh, like, which is pretty wild to me that after it's kind of like, it's kind of like, you know, you've had all these races. Where are your points? What happened <laughs> right. to the points that you're supposed how to this, have? How this something doesn't add up. It's like, like you ever like were in charge of like mowing the lawn when you were a kid and then like your parents come home and you're like why isn't the lawn mowed you'd had like six hours yeah like, ah yeah totally forgot i think danny rick just like forgot to uh to get points this yeah mower wasn't fun. broken you know there, it was <laughs> yeah. fine no exactly uh what else about danny rick fell victim to the monza curse so if you don't know anytime anybody wins monza in the past three years they dnf the following year so charles won in 2019 2020 dnf pierre won in 2020 21 21 dnf and then uh danny obviously won last year dnf this year so yeah it's not his fault it's just the curse and we move on hopefully to races with fewer curses Lando, what to say about Lando? Uh, I think, like, you see, okay, he started P3, ended P7. Like, that's okay. I think there was a lot more pace left in that car. He just had a horrible, horrible start. Like, I think he probably could have gotten into 6 or 5. But, you know, I think he got passed by, like, five, six cars ahead, uh, like, right at the start there, which definitely hurt. But, 
you know, it's what he does. He he does what he does. He scored seventh place, which he has five of the last six races. Lando has scored seventh place. Big so seven about guy. That? Wow. Yeah, big seven guy. He loves being in seventh. So, yeah. Overall, I mean, I would say general sentiment is, like I said, happy weekend. I think there was more in it. But if you keep looking at the bad part of uh, McLaren's journey through the 2022 season, that's a quick, quick road to some uh, Prozac, which is a sponsor of the podcast. So, Or Lexapro, I think. Lexapro. It was Prozac. Oh, it was Prozac? All right. Good for me. They're probably really happy. We don't know. <laughs> fucking competitors? Really? Fucking but anyway, that's McLaren P5. Uh, any thoughts on, on my boys? Uh, no, I think you did. You covered them quite nicely. So uh, moving on to P4 uh, with 125 points, the same amount of points as last week. We have Alpine, Esteban Ocon, P11 to uh, P14, which is a little confusing after seeing it initially, uh, and then finished P11 right outside the points. Fernando Alonso, P10 up to P6, and then a DNF. Um, yeah, we had just high expectations going into this weekend with Alpine. I, I, I know my uh, wildcard prediction was them ending on the podium. They've just shown strong speed. Throughout the year, a lot of straight line speed. So this was just kind of right down their alley. But even starting Saturday, they just they were off. The both cars were just something was going on. I I, I don't know if they're packaged. They just like they um, they fudged it up. They fudged it up a little bit this week. And I think they'd probably be the first to admit it. Um, like Ian said earlier, haven't left a weekend without points since they were in it- last time they were in Italy in April, twelve races ago, and. Um, yeah, that's there's. I mean, I know a lot of the times we talk about Alpine, they're like, oh, they just didn't really notice him. They ended up six seven, yeah. and that's it. But like, it was they're that there. that part, but minus points. So like, yeah. they were just like, no one really. I didn't really notice them until I see Alonso going out. Yeah, typically I feel like every week after every race week after Alpine uh, has like a mediocre race. You're like, oh, okay, so they scored what like four to seven, maybe ten points. And it's like this time they walked away with zero. And it's like, okay, McLaren closing the gap for the first <laughs> time back, since I think like week three. So, yeah, let's go. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I'm not not a, uh, underwhelming as always from Alpine. So thank you very much. And let's move on to our P3 constructor in the Constructors' Championship. Adding on 25 points to their total for a grand total of 371 points, we have Mercedes. Lewis called fifth fastest, but had to start P19 because of the penalty, but made it all the way back up to where he called in P5 for the race result. Uh, George Russell called sixth fastest, but made it to the front row in P2 and finished P3. So uh, let's talk about Mercedes. Individually, like Lewis, the engine penalty started from the back. I think we all knew. We've seen this enough times before. We're like, okay, he's going to absolutely rip through. I think it was a little slower than we anticipated, though. Like, uh, you know, he was at, he was at, he's in P19 after like nine-ish, nine, ten laps, and Carlos at that point had already been putting on a masterclass in overtaking. So it was more just like consistency i think he instead of trying to do it all at once at the beginning was like look i'll pick these guys off a little like one by one kind of guard my tires and and all that but i mean shit man it's a p5 when you took an engine penalty that sent you all the way to the back of the grid like i think you have to be happy about that um and then as far as george goes there's like 
I get so excited to talk about George because I'm like, damn, again, what a race. But it's, it's, dude, it's just so consistent at this point. He has one race that he raced where he didn't finish in the top five. And that race was, was the one that Joe was, you know, upside down yeah, for almost, going through almost, the turn. Almost had 19 guys on the grid. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, like George got out of his car and they ruled that he couldn't get back in once he had gotten out. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, he's just mega, mega consistent. You can say that guys are consistent in F1 um, that aren't George Russell, but nobody is consistent like George Russell is. So just, t- yeah, tip of the hat to Mercedes. They're doing the best to get what they can out of the car. And I think at that point, that's all you can ask for. Um, I don't, uh, there, I guess, I guess we'll talk about this when you talk about Ferrari. I was going to say, you think they're, uh, you think they can end up closing the gap, but we'll, we'll save it for after when, when you're giving your spiel. Yeah. No, I, mean, I think that George stat is so oppressive. That is crazy. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, I think Lewis, like that, probably that mindset kind of went into it as well, where it's like, I don't have the need where it's like, Hey, I'm expected to win this race. I'm expected to fight for like a one, two, uh, spot where I need to move it up. So I think he was probably, you know, tactically kind of looking at his options. It wasn't trying to force anything like Carlos was like, hey, I need to move up and I need to move up quick. So, yeah, I mean, it was just a very methodical last two thirds of the race where he was uh, he was breezing by guys. But, um, yeah, just very, very different tactics of two guys starting in the back of the grid and how they ended up at the front. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of enjoyed having both both options being able to watch. But. Uh, moving yep. on to our P2 team, Ferrari, with 406 points. Got 30 points from last week. Charles Leclerc, P1 to P2. Carlos Sainz started P3, started the race on Sunday, P18, ending P4. I think we talked about it of what Ferrari do this week. Uh, I do think that there was a bit of a strategy blunder, just kind of make, being the guys to make the strategy change uh, instead of Red Bull. Um, and I don't know, it, we were seeing that a lot with Mercedes last year too. It's like these guys were in f- first place, but they were the first to make, fold their hands, make the first move uh, over Red Bull. I don't know. It's just Red Bull has this kind of pressure that I guess they, they put on guys when they're behind them. And it's just like, you know, what, like, yeah. we got to do something. We got to do something instead of just being like, hey, let's let's figure it out, you know, and then we'll, if, if it becomes a problem where they're catching up and it looks like they're past it, like we'll, will attack from there but um yeah i mean i just i did think it was a a bit pre preemptive uh to to be making the move that they did carlos looked just so so quick he was flying i mean i think he was in the top 10 after like uh two laps basically i mean it was uh, it was moving up the quick um i think kind of the second part of the race or towards the end he, i think he did lose a little bit of performance i don't know if it was necessary just the tires i, I don't know if it was just you know, kind of wearing on the, the the car a little bit towards the first half of the race of how quick he needed to go. Um, and then I did it like this. I did. I was a huge fan of the Ferrari car. I, I thought the uh, the yellow on the engine cover looked pretty nice. I wish that they keep the, the yellow Ferrari uh, lettering on the wings forever. I think that is just an extremely clean look. Uh, the, the jumpsuits were quite entertaining. Um, not only the drivers, but the pit crew himself looked like a bunch of minions, had their little hats on, kind of like, <laughs> with these giant tires too, you know? It's just these giant tires, they look like that they're just smaller than they actually are. It was quite entertaining to watch them kind of scramble around a little bit. Um, and then, yeah, I think, you know, obviously Charles getting P2, I think it's probably a little bit bitter t- bittersweet, but it is the first consecutive podium for Charles since the first three races. So. Um, as, as you might expect, like, hey, Charles, 
he was competing, I know, for the first half of the year for that driver's championship. Um, that P2 would be a tough thing, but, I mean, there's the consistency factor that we saw at a Mercedes that we see at a George that uh, has been the exact opposite of Ferrari. Yeah, that is, like, the first consecutive podium since the, you know, beginning of the season is so, so crazy to me, and, like, you always you always hear, like, oh, Ferrari, like, something, you know, they fucked it up somehow this week, but, like, it's it's wild to think that, like, even, not even wins, but just, like, podiums, uh, you know, he hasn't been on one back-to-back weekends forever, but I don't know. I'm just, I feel like I'm just rubbing it in, in your face right now. So I'm going to move on to Mercedes who, have, oh, Red Bull, excuse me. Uh, moving on to Red Bull, 545 points uh, for Red Bull at the top of the Constructors' Championship. They picked up 34 points go- this weekend, um, starting with Sergio Perez, qualified fourth fastest because of the penalty started P13 and then finished P6. Max Verstappen qualified second fastest behind Charles Leclerc, but because of his engine uh, penalty, started the race in P7, and then obviously went on to win at the end of the race. So, Max, uh, starting to get a little boring, I'll be honest. There was a picture uh, or a video of Kelly Piquet, his, uh, his, what, girlfriend, baby mama to his, you know, nephew. What'd you say? Are they fiancé or no? Is there still girlfriend? I don't think they're fiance. I think it's still girlfriend. Okay. He's just playing playing stepdaddy to uh, Danny Kvyat's yeah. baby. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I th- I mean, she was yawning in that video, um, as if to say like, "Hey, this is you know we ex- we know what's going to happen." Do I have to come to these races? Do I have to sleep coming? <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> I have a kid at home. Like I'm busy. Um, but yeah, I mean, 31st win of his career. He, I saw this stat. He's now been on the podium in 30 different circuits, which is crazy. So, you know, he's only had 31 wins, but 30 different circuits that he's been on the podium for. Um, and just a masterclass. The dude is unstoppable. We know this. The car looks unstoppable. Him driving, it looks unstoppable. Um, it's just like, you know, we're, we got to really hone in on the rest of the grid and where a potential competition might like arise toward the either middle or the bottom of the, of the order. But, uh, yeah, I mean, congrats to Max. He's just like he, every single weekend, he's just pulling out, uh, and kind of doing what needs to be done. Sergio, not a horrible weekend from him made a, you know, good run up the field, but just kind of wasn't enough. Um, he, looking at this too, man, he's only been on the podium twice in the last seven races. I was going to say, he's really dropped off recently. Like, racing always feels like he has a good race. The results just aren't there. He's always, yeah. like, you know, P4 or somewhere. Um, and I think, like, I, you just have to get more out of the car. I would be surprised if they cut his contract early. I think he's good through next year. But, um, you know, I feel like if, he, if his contract is in jeopardy toward the end of it, because we know that Red Bull does no respect for, like, you know, letting a driver finish his contract all the way, um, then I wouldn't be surprised if they're, they just cite, like, look, he had a car that our other driver was absolutely blasting competition in, like, and he wasn't, you know, he wasn't on the podium that much. So I think it's fair for them to start, you know, just plant the seed, have that little seed grow a little bit, little by little, and eventually Helmut Marco will make a snap decision that makes everybody hate him. I don't know. No, no, that's what I got to say on Red Bull. It's just like, you know, tip of the hat. They're amazing. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm getting major, I think we said this before, getting major Mercedes flashbacks from these guys. And I think it kind of, the, the driver dynamic is very flashback of Mercedes as well, where, I mean, Lewis and Max were just these guys that no one are, is coming close to. 
their second drivers like are strong drivers. It's just clearly there's a huge performance and, like, and skill gap between the two. And I think like what if I'm Red Bull, there's no need to upgrade or risk upgrading a, your second driver when your first driver is putting so much a load on his back that hey, like if we if we risk this, like we're typically getting Perez from a P3 to a P6, P5, something like that on average. And we go to a guy that we hope can kind of compete to a P2, maybe P1, compete with Max, and it doesn't pan out. Then I think that's just kind of like, it's a risk that wouldn't make too much sense. I mean, they have a chance to, uh, Max has a chance to win the driver's championship next race in Singapore. Um, and I think like the constructors is not far behind. So I think they're just, they're cruising. And so like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Even if Perez isn't showing that, you know, he's up there for a guy that like, maybe they could see pairing with Max for the, for the long haul. It's just like, Hey, if it's, if it's like this every single year, we're going to take it. You know, it was just like the yeah. bot has the bot has effect where it's like, Hey, he's good. Yeah. You know, he's going to be around the, the podium. He's going to be fighting for a podium. Like it's not going to, it's going to be rare. Where he's fighting, fighting for a win, but that's all you need. That's all you need out of this guy. He's not a great driver, but he's a good enough driver yeah, yeah. to keep him around. I think that's, yeah, that's, that's exactly right. But All right, good stuff. There's the race recap of the top five teams. Now let's move on to uh, race predictions recap. Well, Marco, he finally did it. He's fucking done it. He fucking did it. Um, all right, going into the weekend, it was Marco 21, Ian 21. We were dead tied. And then, uh, yeah, I got Danny Rick hitting that DNF button and four cars not finishing to give me two extra points. I got Max to win. Um, yeah, dude, I don't know if I like this whole how many cars don't finish. You're two for two on this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like Jesus literally the Christ. only reason that I'm beating you right now. So, yeah, yeah, dude. I think, you, I mean, you've definitely planned ahead for this. You're like, oh, maybe we should... Throw in an extra race prediction. Wink, wink, wink. I'm going to fucking win this from this. You know it would be crazy if we had a race prediction that got me a point every week. Every fucking time. As soon as I saw Danny go out, I was like, wow, so Danny didn't finish and four cars Dude, you got both of them in one fucking thing. I saw that. I was like, god damn As much as Danny Ricardo has absolutely broken my heart this year, that definitely made it better. So tip of the hat, Danny. Uh, And, yeah, so currently the standing is I am on top for once. Uh, beating Marco 23 points to 22. Uh, and yeah, there's our race predictions recap. And I think that's the episode. Uh, any last thoughts to leave the people with before we have a little bit of a break here, Marco? Marco? Before we have. <laughs> Jesus. Before we have a little bit of a break here, Marco? No, we, uh, we are heading to Singapore in a couple of weeks. We head to Japan, and then we are in the United States of America, baby. Singapore is going to be a dope I place. Love I love Singapore. I'm very excited for this. They haven't been there since COVID, yeah. right? And so, yeah, this is the first. Uh, this is going to be the first time that a lot of people even get introduced to Singapore. Night, night race, race because they can't because they literally can't race it during the day because it's too hot Dude, <laughs> in Singapore. Whatever. So. Yeah, pussies. I don't get uh, that actually because I is that real? If they're gonna race in like Abu Dhabi, in Dubai, yeah, I mean that's like a good point. Like I don't those know. are hot. I think never been. I think so Heard too. they're very yeah. hot. 
I know, like, Cotter's hot, but yeah. I think they raced that one at night, too. But, yeah, I don't understand with the, uh, like, what the weather thing means. But I'm happy that it's a night race because night races are cool. And, yeah, we're in for one. It's not this coming, or it's not in two weeks, right? It's in three weeks, isn't it? I think you're right. It is, um... Yeah, October 2nd. So, wow, we got a three-week break. We basically have another another uh, summer break. Summer break. Fall break now. Let's go. Let's go. All right. Well, I'm rambling, so let's end the episode. We appreciate everybody for listening. See you, assholes. See you, assholes.